and welcome to Doing the Opposite, Business Disruptors, the podcast where you get to meet incredible leaders who have swum against the tide, thrown out the rule book, and changed the way their sector does business. I'm Jeff Dewing, and I'm the founder and CEO of CloudFM, a business where we thrive on taking risk so our clients don't have to. Today, you're going to meet Julio Bruno. Julio is an incredible pedigree that calls himself a global citizen. He also operates a podcast called The Internationalist, where he speaks to incredible guests from all over the world. Now, Julio's background um, covers areas and brands and well-renowned brands like Regis, the office rental company, or Energizer, the batteries that we're all familiar with. Um, and then also TripAdvisor, you know, the one place we, we go to for reviews and understanding about holiday destinations and hotels. But more recently um, is Time Out, Time Out Group, Time Out um, Magazine, Time Out Creative and Design, and Time Out Media. Now, Julio drove the digital transformation from taking Time Out Magazine into the digital age, and he did that globally. And his knowledge and experience is simply off the scale. So much so that he's now written his book called Passion to Lead with incredible nuggets of knowledge, philosophy, leadership, and of course, the, the, the trials and tribulations of running a global organization. Julio, thank you for spending your time this afternoon. The first thing I'd like you to do, if you wouldn't mind, is try and set the scene of who Julio is. What's been your journey? What, what sort of got you to where you are today? <laughs> uh, you know, that is a question that is always so difficult to answer because you can talk forever or, or say very little, right? But as you can tell by my wonderful British accent, haha, <laughs> I am um, an international type. You know, I'm a, I like to say that I'm a global citizen. I'm or originally from Spain, although I also have an American passport later in life. I live there. I now live in London and I have lived here for many, many years in a couple of times in my life. I came first in 1993 and I came here because I was looking for my career, my future. I was in my twenties and I wanted to become that leader, that person, that successful person that I imagine in my life. And in my life, I, I when I was young, I always imagined being this kind of international guy representing companies around the world and doing things like that, dressed up to the nines and all those things that I, I could imagine. So quite ambitious then, really. Yeah. yeah. That was very ambitious, and I am still. And more or less, I think I have done that, or I'm doing that which was uh, looking myself for a career and a path that fulfilled that need that I had of, you know, not only being successful, but also the curiosity that I have in life of, of learning about people, about everything. I mean, I, I'm interested in everything. And this is um, basically where I am now. I have worked in international companies. I have worked for startups. I now work as an investor in a startup, as a board director in different companies, uh, president in others. And it has been so far a very varied life that continues to change. And last year during COVID, sorry, that was the last of COVID, I, I also 
you know, reinvented myself. I started a podcast. I wrote a book um, and started in several uh, new companies that I that I liked. And I think that this year I'm thinking, okay, so what is going to be my reinvention this year? So that's kind of who I am. <laughs> Of course. And your book, um, which is led uh, or named Passion to Lead, which is available on Amazon and all good bookstores, is probably going to be uh, or going to contain all those beautiful golden nuggets of the journey that you've been on that you obviously want to want to share with anybody else. So if you get the chance, I, I highly recommend it. You, you won't be disappointed. So thank you for setting that scene. So leading up to that, what, you know, what, what do you think the key moments were? What were those those sort of come to Jesus moments or moment that happened when you said, look, I want to go on this journey. I'm very ambitious. You know, I want to become a, a global citizen and work for sort of global organizations and really spread my wings and learn cultures and all the other bits and pieces. You know, lots of people have those aspirations, but what, what action did you take to make those things happen? Yeah, that's a very good question. We all have thoughts and, and, and then we talk and then we get excited and we do nothing about it. Maybe because we can't, we are busy, we don't have the ability to maybe find that or any so long in, my, in your imagination. What I did probably, or I have done differently, or I don't know, differently to other people maybe, is that I, that imagination that I first have, those ideas, that vision of, of myself and my career that I had when I was very young, when I got in my 20s and I saw that this was not going where I wanted, I took the decision to move countries and to, to find myself uh, to become an emigrant and to and to find myself, you know, that challenge in Spain at the time, in the beginning of in the nineties, end of the eighties, beginning of the nineties, there was a terrible unemployment, and I, I couldn't find opportunities, or I didn't find them that it were interesting, and I wanted to go out in the world, and I spoke English, and uh, it was it, it made sense for me to come to the UK, so living my country, living my culture, living the people that I knew, my family, etc., and coming to the UK in 1993, I think that that was what I did different. In my family, we have had emigrants before. I have family in Argentina, for example. And there is a tradition in the you know 20th century of because of war, etc., of a lot of people leaving Spain and going around in Europe and Latin America, etc., so I guess I had it also in my in my genes, but the possibility or the ability to put myself in a different country and challenge yourself, that's very different. And one thing here, I was talking yesterday with another person who is an immigrant, and we were talking about when you are in another country, you rely on yourself. You can never get sick because who's going to take care of you? So there is a mentality that I, you never get sick. No, I was never sick. I, I was always working. And I think that that whole mentality of putting yourself in a situation where you depend solely on yourself, that would made a big difference. And going to a different country, a different culture, uh, started a whole new life. Yeah. People that work in organizations as employees during their journey, and they may go through phases of feeling ill or being sick and having time off and complaining about their salary and complaining about somebody didn't do their job, which made their job harder. And this whole sort of mindset function that an employee has, and we've all been through that that environment. And then they start their own business and suddenly their whole mindset changes. They haven't got time to be off sick. They haven't got time to complain because the buck stops with them. It's their business. And suddenly you there's an automatic mindset change that had they have had that mindset whilst being an employee, they probably would have driven their career path even faster. Yeah. 
It's funny that you say that because I have always said that I was very entrepreneurial in the way that I work, even as an employee. I always felt in every company that I've been, I, you could ask all my ex-colleagues, I was always the number one fan, the one that is living the dream and, and making the changes and, and, and feeling that the company was mine. And I guess that's what you talk about being the entrepreneur. Yes, I have had my own companies that I have invested in others. And, um, but it's, it's the mentality uh, that you mentioned there that I, well, I had. And being a, an immigrant obviously make me even more sharp into that feeling of, you know, you have to depend on yourself. Well, you're taking yourself out of your comfort zone by default, right? Which means you're sharper and more on the ball because you have to be, otherwise you don't survive. You have to be. Okay, so the one thing I did love that I heard you say in my um, research of you, Julio, was one phrase I loved, and this is a mindset issue, which is why I loved it. And it's when you said, um, I decided to give myself a promotion. Tell us what that was all about. Well, it, it's something that I have done all my career as an employee. You know, you go to a company and, and you do this and you do well, and maybe maybe you get a promotion or maybe there is no other space for you and you have your own speed and the company maybe have their own speed, which usually is, you know, it's not the same as yours. Right. And at some point in several times in my career, I got to the position that I wanted to do something more and the company at the time, whether they liked me or not, they didn't have something for me. And so then I, what I did is, well, okay, give myself a promotion, which meant find another company, find another role that obviously paid me more, had more responsibility closer to what it was my original plan, right? You know, I have to learn this and that and that and have experience in all these different areas. If I couldn't get that in my current company, I would go and look for it. But always with um, the end in mind, always with a purpose, not just changing just for money. Money was, is very important, clearly looking for financial independence. But it was much more about what is that taking me in my career? And I could not stay still. So that's what I gave myself a promotion. If we have people in our organization or similar organizations that say, you know, they're leaving and sometimes it will, they'll say they're leaving for more money or better conditions or whatever the case may be. In reality, that's really true. And you don't really get the answer until perhaps long after they've left. But really, it's about they want a challenge. They want a purpose. They, they want to go beyond where they're being, where they're being asked to be today. And I think if we could actually educate people to say to us when they were due to sort of move on or leave, because not every company can nourish every single employee for the reasons you've just explained. We don't always travel at the same speed. They need to be challenged. They want something more in life. And I think that'd be a great way to explain to somebody or your employer. Look, I'm, I'm moving on because I've given myself a promotion. I, I think it's fantastic. I'd, I'd even congratulate them for, for coming out of the phrase because um, it is about fulfillment, right? And I think the other thing I've uh, read about you as well, and, it also, and it's also aligned with, with how I believe about life, and that is it is about purpose. It's not some American, you know, have a nice day type stuff. You know, purpose is very, very important. And it's, and it's one of the things that I guess, I don't know if you'll agree with me uh, in terms of, of what your career has been like, but I only really established purpose and the meaning of purpose in the last sort of five, six, seven years because – we didn't really know what purpose was. We went for a job. We thought we was happy. We realized we wasn't. So we got another job, thought that would make us happy, but it didn't. And so on and so on, because we couldn't articulate, we couldn't understand what it is that makes us get out of bed every day. And um, when you can establish your purpose, whether that be a shared purpose with an organization that you join, or whether you've decided what change you're going to be in the world, 
suddenly all the mist clears and you get this focus and you get this understanding and then you realize that it's never about money you know money is something that is an enabler you need to pay the bills you need to pay the mortgage you need to these, these are obvious factors but it's not about get rich quick it's not about the ferrari it's not about the 50 foot yacht it's about what is it that's going to make me happy and fulfilled every day and when you can find that and you can truly live it then of course that famous saying is you'll never work a day in your life and that's when i think people thrive yeah although it's difficult when you're young to know exactly what you want right um, and you know a lot of people now maybe younger generation will say oh i give myself a promotion but the only reason they do that is just because they are rest restless or they think they deserve it or many other reasons right yeah Yep. I'm generalizing here, but they don't stick to something because, you know, they get bored easily, you know, because of social media and everything else. We don't have an attention span for more than three seconds, right? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not easy sometimes saying, well, what is my purpose? Because we haven't stopped and, th and think about your purpose. And, you know, I'm happy to go to a company and see that, you know, they're using me and using them. They know what they need from me and I'm going to deliver that. 100%, but I also need for them to deliver something for me, which could be experience, obviously money, and what else? And but also purpose is about the purpose of that company. Do younger generations now are looking for companies that they can feel identified with. And that's difficult. In the past, maybe you didn't look at it. Now you look at what kind of companies and ESG or is sustainable or is all these other buzzwords that although, you know, I don't want to stay in buzzwords, but people want to make a change and they want to work for companies that they feel closer to, you know, whatever the values of that company. Yeah. Yeah. And also they, they want to understand whether that company is truly trying to make a difference in the world to, to some degree uh, and whether they actually feel passionate about that same thing. And if they do, then your values are aligned, right? But it is, it's something that's become very, very apparent and probably been accelerated in its appeal and its meaningfulness because of COVID, because people have started asking the right questions. You know, am I happy? Am I doing what I love? Am I making a difference? Is, is my life pointless? And I think that's where people have now suddenly started to search it out. And I think leadership and leadership education has really also helped accelerate that during the process of COVID and whatever else. Because when you look at things like, um, you know, peer groups and, and coaching and business coaching and internal coaching, You know, these were things, I'll, I'll go back to my career. I, go, I don't need a coach. I know how to fix a fridge. I know how to change a valve. I, I don't need to be coached on that. But what we was missing was about the coaching isn't about telling you or teaching you something you, you don't know you're not good at. Coaching is about asking you incredible questions that you've probably never asked yourself. And it sort of helps you understand and articulate why it is you're actually here and what it is you want to do. And that's where people, you know, I guess if someone said to me, what's your biggest regret in life? My biggest regret in life is not realizing the importance and uh, the influence of a business coach 25 years ago, because it's, yeah. it's about great questions, right? That's life. Yeah. But uh, as you said, I mean, the, when you're young, you don't know maybe that you need somebody to coach you, although it's quite popular now, this thing about a mentor, you want to be my mentor, but, it, but I think they do that because they see me somewhere and they want to have a mentor, like in a, <laughs> like a check a box. Like I want a therapist. Yeah. yeah like I want a therapist <laughs> or something like that, which is also, you know, everything, then you get bored of that and you move on to the next fad. But you said something interesting there about COVID, which I have written about this several times, you know, I call it the great, reassessment when people call it the great resignation and i call it the great assessment because myself like many millions around the world stop and thought and think about what we wanted to do 
more than ever, I think. And COVID also accelerated 20 years, at least, where we were. You in your working facilities management, you told me how you have to reinvent your company because you were forced to it. I did the same with timeout becoming timing when I was a CEO there and other things, which meant you have to do things that you were not thinking about it and think about today about hybrid working or working from home. I mean, I remember only five years ago having discussion with people saying, no, you cannot have flexible working because we come here to the office. And, you know, if you go and I stay on a Tuesday in the morning say, with your children, then what other people are going to think? I remember those conversations. Today, that's gone. It is. Gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's 20 years of progress into one, one and a half years. It is. It is fascinating. But again, just to pick up on something you said there, when you called it the, the great reassessment, I called it the great reset. Right, So you've got the great resignation, the great reassessment, the great reset, whatever terminology you want to put on it. But the reason I said I believe, you know, I use the term reset was because during COVID, and I, I don't know, well, I'm sure you, if you was in the UK, you realise, but that, that first year of COVID from March 2020 for the next four months, the weather was spectacular in the UK. Oh, I remember that. Fantastic summer, right? Everyone's having barbecues every day. They're being paid to sit in the garden with the kids. But what it done is it forced something that people just don't do. It forced them to reflect. They had time to think. They had time to think and reflect. And one of the things that the great Henry Ford said, which is another saying I love to pick up on, he says, very few people take time to think because it's too difficult. Because people don't realize the power of reflection, of just looking on, reflecting on your day, your week, your month, your life. And what happened is the reason I believe the Great Reset has occurred is simply because something happened in correlation at the same time across the world is everybody had time to think. And therefore, suddenly these different thoughts came out, which made them think, I wonder, 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 what if, what if, what if? And that for me has generated a positive outcome because it's made us all rethink about what's important. But also how scary to be alone with your thoughts for the first time in years. Yeah, yeah. I remember studying, I was very young, and it was the first year of philosophy. At the time, you you study philosophy at school. And... I remember this line, I'm going to translate it. I don't know who wrote it, but it was, philosophy started when mankind had time to think. Yeah. And they were talking about the Greek philosophers, because before that, if you are only surviving and the, and the, you know, the animals are following you and killing you and you have to kill them to eat, you have time for nothing. But, you know, the Greek, let, let's talk about the Greeks, obviously, before there were others, but and the Greek had the time to go there and talk about the world and the stars and, well, philosophy. That's how philosophy started. So now in, in, a, in a small part of time, in a way, COVID helped us to do that, you know, to have the time to think. One of the things that, yeah, we all had that same time. I mean, I and my exec team had less time because we was obviously trying to plan out to survive and thrive. But one thing I did, and I did it by accident, I didn't do it because I was some wizard, Every night I sat in my patio. I'm lucky enough to have the beach at the bottom of my road and I can see the sun go down every night. So I sat in my patio for an hour and a half, two hours every single night without foul and just reflected just because that's how I managed to control and contain the fear and the worry of COVID at the time. And I genuinely believe that because of that time, I was able to steer my team and my, my business through COVID purely because of that thinking time. And when I realized how powerful it was, We've since mandated that in our business where everybody has to have two hours a week of doing nothing. And it has to be during working time because I can't I can't demand and want you to do it on a Saturday or Sunday when you're with family time. But you must take two hours and you do not have to create anything as a result. You just have to think. 
And suddenly creativity goes through the roof. People have gone, I've just thought about this thing. I've just, and that's the bit that I think you're right about when you go back to Greek mythology and Greek philosophy. And that is, they had the time to look at the stars and worked out, well, they, they, they were curious. Why is that star over there tonight and not over there that night? Whereas when you're working, 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 acting, acting, you've got no time to check or see what's around you. Yeah. And that's when I think you get the power of reflection. It is a luxury, isn't it? To have time to reflect is a luxury. Mm. But it shouldn't be, should it? Yeah, but our lives are so busy all the time. That's the point, isn't it? And COVID has helped to slow that down. Yeah, COVID made us stop and we slowed down, forced to be to slow down. And, and that's what happened. I remember myself, I was going out every day in Hyde Park. I live, I mean, I'm lucky now because I live in Hyde Park. So go out there. I was alone in 700 acres of, you know, and I, and I named the, the squirrels. I was at the squirrel <laughs> whisperer. And every day I will bring them my, you know, walnuts and all that. And I was promised. I mean, it's, it was funny. I have one that I love. It's called Lola. Uh, and they will come all over me, you know, like, like uh, unbelievable. But I was thinking I was in nature. Uh, and I was lucky enough that I had that time and, you know, I was trying to save, you know, my company at the time, time out. And it was difficult, but we did it all together. Nice. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, I'm going to ask you one quick question before we move on to the final couple of questions. So reflecting on your career and your decision to become a migrant and put yourself under those pressures and take yourself out of your comfort zone and be fully accountable to yourself at all times, yeah, what what else did you think? What else do you think that you needed around you? You clearly wasn't a loner throughout. You, you clearly had to integrate with people or, or something. So, what 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 was the one thing, if there was one thing, that was really important to you outside of your own grit and determination? Well, the the the, the people around, the friends that I have made around the world, and all the countries that I lived in and working. I mean, I always felt that my own hometown was too small for me and then my country was too small for me and then the UK was too small for me, right? So it was important to me to, and it continues to be, to be among of the world, whatever that means. I am interested in everything that's happening, whether it's Japan or now in Brazil or or in Iran. You know, there's something that has always driven me. And putting myself out there, yeah, that means that you have to read a lot and you have to listen to a lot and you have to uh, open yourself to very diverse communities. And it's something that I, that I always strive to do and it's something that has completed me in a way that I wouldn't have found that, you know, if I had a state put in my own town. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Again, from my perspective, one thing I wish I'd done 40 years ago I joined six, seven years ago a peer group because it's very lonely at the top, right? Very lonely. Cheers. And joining a peer group for me where I had, you know, 14, 15 other chief execs from different diverse backgrounds and companies and whatever, um, suddenly I was able to show a bit of vulnerability and, and didn't have to pretend I knew it all. And suddenly the knowledge I gained from those people around me and the support I gained, the support network was off the scale. And again, you know, people would say to me, what regret would you say you had in life? I say not establishing or realising the power of a peer group 25 years ago because it was it was so, so powerful. It is about the people you surround yourself with, isn't it? Yeah. That's a very good good advice. Julia, I'm now going to ask you a couple of questions that I'm interested in and it's, it's important they come from the heart and it's important you don't get time to digest them. So if you now reflect on your career and your experiences as you've been sharing with us today, what would you say, if there was only one thing you could say, what would you say you're most grateful for? 
I'm grateful to have won the lottery of being born in a Western culture country, you know, in my case, Spain, because I think it's a demographic lottery that allowed me to go and study and have a proper education and a proper surroundings and a good community of people and family. And there are billions around the world that don't have that. So I'm grateful that I was born where I was born. Um, not that I'm comparing myself or saying that I, I would, you know, I wouldn't want to live in some or, or having bo been born in some of the places where you don't have the liberties, where you don't have the, uh, the, the ability to be yourself and the ability to become who you want to become. That's a great answer. That's a really good answer. That's very different to any other answer I've had before. And I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Well done. Brilliant. I actually thought you could tell me you won the lottery for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have had mine to win a couple of hundred million or something. Yeah. Oh dear. Finally, final question. Again, if there was only one thing you could say, bearing in mind that people that are uh, you know, people that are listening and, and tuning in this podcast are, are curious about people's stories and their their, their journeys, their um, periods of success and failure, and how they learn. And all, you know, it's all about curiosity about you know learning how people have sustained and, and navigated their journeys. If there was only one thing, what single message would you give this audience on their journey to entrepreneurship or starting a business or starting a, uh, you know, to create a startup or going for a scale up? Well, you know, what one message would you give this audience? Um, wow. That's a difficult one, but I, I would say that you have to imagine who you want to be in order to become that. If you don't see it, if you don't think about it and kind of almost like you can taste it, it's very difficult that you're going to be that. You may be lucky or fall into some money or be lucky in a company, but if you want to go into entrepreneurial life, if you are not very clear of what that is, then you, you'll get there. But you have to first put that plan, that vision in your head, internalize it, internalize it every day, and then plan it. You have to plan. What do I need? What do I miss? What do I have to learn? What are the people that I have to be surrounded with? But that starts with that vision, with that idea. That idea that sometimes, you know, you have a thing in your mind and you say, oh, no, that's stupid. No, don't say that's stupid. Go with it, go with it, think about it and see and see what it takes you because at one point that will be your idea and that will be the one that will make you successful. No, that's, again, thank you for that. It's brilliant. And again, I probably sum up slightly differently, although exactly the same message, and that is begin with the end in mind. Uh, that was a Stephen Covey. That was a Stephen Covey in the seven habits of highly effective people. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it was, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it is, but but it's interesting because although it's, it's it's a catchy phrase, when you think about it, where is it? What is the destination? You know, if you don't know the destination, then you don't know what train to get on, right? So you have to know the destination and you have to take the time to think about it. And, and you're absolutely right. And of course, the other thing is, for an entrepreneurial perspective, which is a mindset, is you never give up. You just keep going. Yeah. 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 There you go. Julio, it's been fantastic having a chat with you. I've really, really enjoyed it. Got some inspirational stuff out of that. Can't wait for your book to arrive any day now, um, where I'll, I'll certainly um, take some pleasure in reading it. And I'm sure I'll be contacting you with some various um, anecdotes and comments and, and, uh, and also some positive feedback. So I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. 
Um, and I certainly hope our paths cross very soon. I hope the same. Jeff, thank you for your time and thank you for uh, bringing me to your podcast. Wow, what a conversation that was. Well, that was Julio. And a big thanks, Julio, for taking the time to share some of your stories with us today. And I guess the bit I loved, and I may have highlighted it in the actual episode itself, but when you realise the difference between um, a normal person, if there is such a thing, and an entrepreneur, is mindset. And in Julio's case, he created and forced that mindset by behaving like a migrant and becoming a migrant, taking himself out of his comfort zone because he had to push the boundaries. He simply wasn't getting nourishment and fulfillment whilst living in Spain, which basically meant he had to fight for life um, in terms of survival, lack of the ability to phone in sick, Uh, and all the other things that will come with an entrepreneurial mindset. But the bit that really, really hit me hard was that wonderful saying that he came up with that said, I gave myself a promotion. The ability to realize that you are not being nourished where you are. And we don't want to bad mouth the people that have given us an opportunity and we've learned from. So by giving ourselves a promotion says we're going to seek more than you're currently able to offer us. And that's really money. It's opportunity, it's growth, it's knowledge, it's curiosity, um, it's creativity. It's all the things that drive a human being. So I love that saying, uh, and I'm gonna start using that. I'm gonna steal that one. Do listen back to earlier episodes of Doing the Opposite, where you'll hear from guests like Jerome Vanderbilt, who has embarked on a journey of repairing the world's oceans. An incredible feat, an incredible journey. And also people like Linda Green, who told her personal story of how she endured dark moments and then incredible highs, and then taking herself to places like Egypt and putting herself in danger before realizing the level of danger she placed herself into. These are all incredible stories that people have and everybody's got a story. Now, I'm Jeff Dewing, author of the best-selling book, Doing the Opposite, and CEO and founder of CloudFM. CloudFM are changing the rules of our industry and doing the opposite to create best value for our clients. If you'd like to know more, visit our website at cloudfmgroup.com or follow us on LinkedIn. You can find out more about the podcast and my incredible guests at podcast.cloudfmgroup.com. And finally, a big thank you to my team, Nicola Crawshaw at CloudFM, Thinking Hat PR, and my incredible production team, What Goes On Media, who have helped me launch this popular, disruptive, and exciting podcast. Thanks for listening.